One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Wilander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast brought to you from the Indian Wells Tennis Garden for the very first time. Our previous two editions from this tournament have been recorded at Tennis Podcast Towers, Indian Wells, which is a very fine place to record. Uh, but this time around, we thought we'd try the on-site experience David, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm very well. It's a bit of a different on-site experience, though, for us, isn't it? Because usually we're out and we can hear all the hubbub in the, the grounds. It's very quiet in here, isn't it? A mm. little bit of media hubbub, but by that I mean just doors opening and closing. <laughs> so <laughs> those are the sound effects you'll mm. be hearing. And a little bit chilly. Mm. We had a sort of collective fail this morning where Catherine said, oh, hang on, let me just go and get my jacket from the car. Oh, no. Nope didn't bring it okay david said oh i didn't bring mine either <laughs> and then i realized i hadn't packed mine either right. and yeah really really quite cold right now but mm. there have been some fine. other collective fails over the last 24 hours which I, i'm not sure yet whether we can go into but mate we'll we'll see how the next hour <laughs> we'll see how much credibility i can establish over the course of the next hour and see whether we're in a position to, to reveal did, um, did you need to tease it <laughs> <laughs> it just occurred we to me we could have just not told anyway them. <laughs> anyway uh, we come to you on Sunday evening still a full week to go of the yeah. BNP Paribas Open 2023 <laughs> which if it's not clear we are loving yeah I we really are. are loving life here so thank you to On Location for bringing us here I'll tell you what everybody here is loving life and by everybody I mean 45,000 people in the day session yesterday which is an Indian Wells record I mean look we were remarking on it throughout the day this feels busy in a way that Indian Wells doesn't feel busy you know it was sort of elbowing people out of the way to get where you need to get to and genuinely hour plus long queues for pretty much every food outlet it looked ever so slightly on the edge out there nobody was rowdy or anything but just in terms of whether there was enough room for all these people and we looked into it or rather Matt looked into it and it's not only an Indian Wells record but it's a record that exceeds the day session record at the US Open yeah the US Open set their day session record on the first Saturday last year and that was 42,000 and something and this was 45 
thousand and and something. And when you include the night session here as well, it was a record for attendance generally at a at a day at Indian Wells, day and night combined. Amazing crowds. As you said, I did think it was on the eggs yesterday. I wouldn't have wanted to be a fan having having to queue up for food, you know. Um, or but... a fan queuing up for a tennis podcast meet and greet, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I've always been, I suppose, a little bit uh, sceptical about whether the month of March should just be taken up with essentially two tournaments, Indian Wells and Miami. Um, but that's, all, you know, because I've never been to those events. I must say, when you're here you do realise that they make the most of the time they've got in the calendar. And it is an incredible event and it gets so many people through the doors seeing tennis. And that does feel like a good thing and it does feel like it's worth more than seven days. And yeah, so I've, I've changed my tune a little bit having having experienced it, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, via these meet and greets that we've been doing at the, the Steve Fogel's booth here on site, which have been... A real treat, thanks to everybody that has shown up and saved us all from from embarrassment. You really have done us proud and we'll be continuing to do them throughout the tournament. We have had the chance to speak to tennis fans here, speak to ticket buyers and ask them, where have you come from? Do you come every year? How many days are you here from? For And it's pretty extraordinary the lengths that people go to to come to this tournament that is not a Grand Slam. Okay, most of the people here are American. We've encountered the the odd person that has come from overseas. But within America, we've got people driving 20 hours to get here, you know, and on a dedicated Indian Wells holiday. Again, yes, there's the odd person that's going to Disneyland and tacky on a couple of days in Indian Wells at the end. Great itinerary. <laughs> um, but by and large, people are going to significant efforts to get here and... You know, we're always trying, as people within tennis, we're always trying to take ourselves out of it a bit and judge things objectively. How much does this really matter to people whose lives aren't aren't 24-7 tennis like us? And it does feel like on a fan level, this tournament has something extremely special. Yeah, and look, because it's 15 years since I last came here, I didn't see Stadium 2 when I was here last time. I mean, that is... That is a worthy stadium, a centre court for a, a lot of tournaments. And, and it is a brilliant tennis-watching venue, this. All over the place. All the uh, the supplementary courts, sort of three to nine, are brilliant. The practice courts are very easy to go and have a look at. And uh, it's just... I mean, yes, the queues for food yesterday were, were, were alarmingly long. And I thought people were, were so decently kind of... Oh, into- I'd have been rioting. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, I mean, we, we was, should probably that, disclose at this point that they do have a fast lane for people with accreditations, yeah. which is why I wasn't rioting and why I haven't been stripped of my accreditation <laughs> for rioting. All in those a food calm queue. people that I've just described are now <laughs> yeah. throwing their devices at the wall yeah. uh, with that. But anyway, no, I mean, seriously, it was it We're was very marvelous to make people not hate us. Remember, yeah, mm. that is yeah. a bit of a challenge. Well, moving on. Um, uh, look there is still a little bit of tennis going on tonight but but not a lot today's tennis is going to wrap up pretty early that's partly because of what I think is excellent scheduling that they have here their night session starts at 6pm and it's two best of three set matches yeah who'd have thought that would be a great idea it's look I mean we we've thought for a a while there's there are ways around some of the scheduling issues that tennis has yes 
best of five sets complicates that at the grandstands. But this is an this is evidence in itself that this works. I think. Mm. Uh, what's going on at the moment is actually a doubles match involving retired player Kirsten Flipkins. She's, she's coming <laughs> on the centre court at Indian Wells. The second biggest tennis stadium in the world. Yeah. Retired Kirsten Flipkins. <laughs> <Good for her. laughs> uh, she's out there at the moment. She wasn't scheduled to play on this court alongside Bethany Matek Sands, but Arena Sabalenka's opponent in the scheduled final match of the day on Stadium 1, Lisa Serenko withdrew moments before that match was due to go on court so there's been a last minute switcheroo and I imagine Kirsten Flipkins fans aside uh, ticket holders for Stadium 1 would have been glad that Ilya Ivashka managed to extend the Daniil Medvedev match to, to three slightly unexpected sets because they at least did get get a decent match on the singles front Medvedev did win through pretty handily at the end after some excellent troll energy after losing the second set. <laughs> yes. I mean, it, the first set was just uneventful, wasn't it? It was 6-2, and you're thinking, there's no issue with the court here <laughs> for, for Daniel Medvedev. He's playing absolutely fine, and uh, things turned in the second set. And, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it ended up becoming a very interesting match indeed. Well, don't listen to what we've got to say about it. Why don't we hear from the man himself? Yes. Daniel well. Medvedev. Hello. Camera, welcome no welcome no to camera. the Tennis Podcast. Hello, thanks a lot. Uh, talk us through that win, your 16th on the bounce, despite some very well-expressed frustrations with the court. Yeah, uh, it's. I feel like I, I spoke to a lot of players in the locker room and every, I feel like a lot of players are struggling. cannot say everyone because there are some players that can play good on this court, uh, especially the ones who can easily um, generate power uh, probably more from their wrist I'd say for sure someone like Alcaraz, Fritz, probably Rublev and even them it's not that easy for them here uh, probably the slowest court out there uh, in the year and I mean today there was and it's so tough like I, I could see uh, I, I watch matches on TV just to see how other players uh, try to react adjust and so many matches you feel like the guy's not playing uh, bad loses 6-1 just because it comes to, to the moment where uh, you you go for a 30-shot rally and whoever misses loses the point and in a way it's like a little bit of luck because after 30 shots anyone can miss so that's crazy how today's second and third set in my opinion I played the same and just managed to hit maybe one or two uh, better shots in important moments uh, and that was enough and that's that reminds me a lot of clay, but at least it's much easier to move here. Are you saying it's slower than clay? Slower than Roland Garros, for sure, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there are some clay courts that can be uh, like wet, and uh, especially with the rain, uh, cold conditions, uh, they're really slow. But I would say it's comparable. Uh, it's comparable where I can move much better, so that makes my life easier. On clay, what's tougher, that it's the same. It's tough to make the ball go through, a lot of rallies, stuff like this, but I move worse than my opponents. Uh, so here that's not the case, and that uh, can help me. We we saw you leave the court after the, the second set. We also heard some of the things you said. It was very funny. <laughs> um, uh, but what do you say to yourself when you when you leave the court and come back and suddenly you're 
five love up in the in the third set. So what happened? Yeah, honestly, uh, I will tell you honestly that when I leave the court, uh, I leave it uh, just to go to the toilet, so not to uh, like uh, reset myself or something like this. You can see me leaving a lot of the times after winning a set, mm-hmm. uh, so that's just uh, straight to the point to go to the toilet. So that was the same here, <laughs> but for sure, yeah, I talked to, to Mohammed and I got yeah I got frustrated because especially if you can. Uh, rewatch the game at 5-3. Uh, I think there were two points, 15-love uh, and 30-love. I was hitting so good. Like 10 shots, cross line, cross line, cross line, nothing happens, just literally nothing. And that's not normal for hardcourts. And so then, yeah, I was <laughs> a little bit, uh, how can we say it, uh, bad talking to, to Mohammed. But when I say bad talking, just uh, trying to, to win time. Do you agree with... Mohammed, like he said to you, you're a professional. You need to accept this. Uh, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Is that agree. actually uh, good advice? My, uh, <laughs> that's not an advice. But my attitude was not good enough uh, in the second set, and I, uh, that's what I kind of said to myself. That in the third, I have to try to, to be more uh, concentrated on the tennis and not uh, on the court, which is very tough after some points where you feel like you've done the right thing and. Uh, you lose a point. <laughs> uh, and that's what I managed to do better in the third, not the whole set. I still got frustrated a couple of times. Uh, but, uh, yeah, managed to do it better. And uh, I agree with anyone who said that I had to be more professional. And that's what I managed to do in the third set. What would Jill say to you after after a match like that and a, <laughs> a moment like that? Uh, well, first of all, he agrees with me that this is crazy how, how slow the courts are and that it's... Uh, uh, how can I translate it to English? Uh, struggle for everyone. Everyone is struggling. I saw Karen against Davidovic play today. They were both struggling. I saw Zverev Suvori. I felt like they were both struggling. And when I say struggling, it means that you can do, uh, again, a 30-shot rally where you feel like you've done so many good shots and it's not going to be enough to win the point. And you're like, what else can I do? And, well, the only thing you can do is continue playing this way. And that's uh, what Jill uh, says to me. Try to win uh, the struggle, you know. Everyone is struggling. Try to win it just like I did today. I just wonder, when you have a a moment like that at the end of the second set, which, I mean, it was mild compared to, say, the US Open a few years ago, but, but the American crowds here, they remember that from you. They obviously also remember you winning the US Open. There seems to me to be quite a lot of affection for you in from tennis fans who who remember those moments. When, when you're out and about, do you get people talking to you more about the US Open title you won or the moments like you had on the court at the US Open the year before, the couple of years before? I honestly don't have much people talking to me about the US Open 2019 but I damn, I have a lot of people uh, who talk. Uh, this is going to be on tennis TV, bro. Like I, I think that's uh, the most popular line anyone can say to me. Like every second fan that sees me on the street, especially in U- in US, uh, just tells me this is going to be on tennis TV, bro. I'm like, yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> can, <laughs> but uh, can I tell you that we yeah. we met a fan yesterday who had a T-shirt custom made, yeah, that said "Shut your fuck up" on it. Well, at least that's not. <laughs> ah, yeah, that's. I said it once. I wanted to say I never said it, but uh, yeah, I said a lot of things during my career. But uh, uh, I feel like definitely Americans love the entertainment. Like the first match against Nakashima, there was a, a guy in the crowd 
he was acting like it was an NBA game. And I was like, yeah, that's how uh, it is in U.S. You know, uh, tennis is in a way different here, ten tennis crowd. And that's great because that's electric. And uh, uh, if uh, we get full stadiums, I think here it's going to be the case a little bit later in the second week. That's going to be uh, uh, pretty, pretty great. Just on a slightly different note, we know that you're a tennis obsessive. You know, you like watching a lot of matches. You already said today. Only when I'm in the tournament. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> if I lose, I don't watch one match. Yeah, <laughs> then you're on the PlayStation. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> True. Well, um, I wanted to ask about backhands because mm -hmm. I have a thing for backhands. I love backhands. I have a list of my favorite backhands. But at the moment, it's a Is this like an obsession or kind of. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> be careful. <laughs> <laughs> at the moment, it's a WTA only list because it's uh -huh. a. I think on that tour, it's a backhand heavy tour. It's a lot of great backhands mm -hmm. on the WTA tour. But I need to make a list of men's backhands that I like, and it's it's not necessarily a list of the best backhands. It's just the backhands that give you a great feeling and that look good and feel mm -hmm. good and I wonder whether you can name some players on the ATP tour whose backhands you really really like well first of all if we talk about the um, uh, uh, how you say the beautiful part of it it's one-handed backhands just because it looks uh, so beautiful so natural and it actually can be different technique and it always looks beautiful if people, of course, mm. uh, put it in. But so that's why I'm actually going to put it aside and talk about double-handed because okay. I'm a double-handed backhand, so that's going to be easier for me. I think Sasha's backhand is great, uh, looks great, and when uh, when he's in top of his form, uh, that's yeah, he's pretty solid from it. I'm actually going to mention Davidovich because when I played him in Rotterdam, I was really surprised with uh, how he was able to hit his backhand cross and even down the line, and that's what I saw in the next tournaments as well. So that was not uh, an accident, and that's what I didn't feel like he was doing before. Uh, just in generally talking, I feel like almost 90% of players on tour have more solid backhand than mm. forehand but can make more points on the forehand um, and who else can I put there um, Djokovic yeah but I feel like that Novak's forehand is so good right now last um, four years maybe uh, maybe even before but I haven't played him much before that uh, for example when I play him I feel like I'm less in danger when I play on his back and the way his, his forehand is just brutal wow. I would say probably one of the best on tours for me uh, so that's why I don't want to mm. talk too much about his back end, but it's actually really beautiful and I mean the way he can slide to it is amazing Andy Murray uh, played him the other week yeah yeah <laughs> uh, uh, but is that the, a polite yeah, no 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 the, the thing is that in my opinion every double almost every double handed backhand on tour is kind of when I say the same on a good day, that's a shot that people are not going to miss. Um, and same about Andy, Sasha, Davidovich, Karen. On a good day, they're not going to miss a backhand. And so you have to, to try to find a different way. And same about me. Would you put yourself on the list? Um, yeah, I would definitely put myself on the list because I like uh, good <laughs> backhand cross, uh, 20 shots to see who misses first. And uh, yeah, I like my backhand. Mm. Who are your favorite players to watch? Generally, who, who, what, what matchup would you see on the telly or in an order of play and think, yeah, I'm going to watch that? Djokovic Zverev, when they were uh, before Sasha's injury, was amazing to watch Olympic Games, US Open. 
but there are so many uh, good matchups. What else can I choose? Um, I just like to watch tennis. What what did I watch the other day? I mean, I watched Alcaraz Kokinakis. Was a great match, in my opinion. You know, the famous uh, Carlos Alcaraz. I think <laughs> I would. Yeah, I think I would like to see uh, more of uh, Alcaraz Novak and Rafa uh, because yes. when uh, he beat them both in Madrid. Uh, Again, I was injured, so I didn't watch the matches, but I, I watched Instagram, and that was a highlight reel. There was so many highlights from these matches, so I think that could be, uh, yeah, great. And uh, it's a pity that when uh, Carlos won US Open, he didn't have to face one of them, because I think this could be uh, amazing to watch. When you watch Carlos against Kokonak, is it, are, you, are you looking at his game and wondering yourself well what, what will I do when I play honestly him? not at all no. uh, uh, I feel like my mind does it automatically that if I have to play him here it can be only in the final I'm going to remember the matches I saw and maybe try to remember oh, okay I saw this and that but uh, yeah I, I like to watch Carlos play because in my opinion uh, pure talent uh, the way he can hit through the ball uh, like I remember I even watched Buenos Aires a few matches um, and w- when he hits a forehand as he can do it, guys off balance straight away, and that's not many players can do it. Nova can do it with his forehand, and yeah, that's why he has the potential to to be on this record list. But uh, that's not easy, and uh, yeah, you have to play good every week, uh, every year. Do, do you like the thought of having the chance to play against him, the challenge? I suppose a different type of challenge. Um, I would say uh, I'm different in this way. I I kind of, in a way, don't care. I just uh, want to go to the final and see who my opponent is. Uh, and I I honestly don't care who that is. Uh, if it's Novak, great, tough match. If it's Rafa, great, tough match. If it's Carlos, great, tough match. But whoever is there, it's going to be a tough match. You have to try to win. You have to try to adapt tactically, physically, uh, mentally. And so uh, for sure, I'm sure if we're going to play great tennis with Carlos, we could see each other a lot of the times during many tournaments, uh, especially hard courts. <laughs> uh, and that could be great. But uh, yeah, we never played since since Wimbledon, but that was long ago and he was not the same. So I would honestly not even count this, uh, this match too much. We'll, uh, we'll we'll let you go in just a minute because you've got a, a streak to keep up, an Iga Svantec-esque streak. But final question I just want to ask you, just occurred to me, you're, you strike me as a very intelligent tennis player, person, and that's something that you... Thanks a lot. You, <laughs> it's something that you use on the court, right? You you make tactical mid-match adjustments, which, which not everybody does out there. What's the Andre Agassi quote, David, of you either have to... Or is it a Jimmy Connors quote? You... You either have to be super smart or really stupid to be at the very top of the game. I'm butchering. That's actually a great quote. I'm butchering the quote, but that's that's <laughs> that's actually do, an amazing quote. Do you think quote, that is true? Uh, because at least me, I don't speak too much to other tennis players about how do you think during the game because then you kind of uh, also will have to give away what you think. And sometimes it happens to me. Let's say. It's a really stupid example, but uh, uh, I don't know. When the guy slices, I would mostly go inside in. And then sometimes I would mix it up to, and go inside out. And it happens in some matches where the guy slices. And I'm like, okay, this one I'm going inside out to surprise him. And the guy is there. I'm like, 
you either have to be really smart to be there or you have to be really stupid because I was supposed to go inside in. And, uh, yeah, there are so many, so many moments like this. Like, uh, I, I don't know, you go uh, four times, serve down the tee, then you're like, okay, that's a good moment to mix it up. The guy's there. You're like, I have to be either really smart or really stupid. So it's, I, w- I would say tennis is, uh, that's probably the best quote I heard in my life. So, and, and I've uh, yeah. It. yeah, great. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's really it. funny. And I think you can, you can say it about everyone and anything that you see. You can have that Love. as your own now. Yeah, mm. great. I'll, I'll claim it as an original. Uh, Daniil, thank you very much for thank joining you. us. Thank and good luck much, for, the, uh, for the streak. Thanks. Thanks a lot. We'll try my best. Yeah, we'll Lovely enjoy watching. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. We're just going to keep on chatting amongst ourselves. <laughs> but David's got two microphones. <laughs> Why not? Why not have two? I'll have Daniel's as well. Cheers, Daniel. Well, that was fun. Yeah, absolutely fascinating, really, um, to get his insight into the day-to-day and to see the way he see the way he he thinks really and and uh, as he's going along i mean it's it's just so so interesting that uh, that element at the end i'm always fascinated about the the sort of inner dialogue of a player and and it's not the same for every player you know there 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 are some players that i mean honestly i think if we were to have Pete Sampras here right now i don't think he had a conversation in his head i think he was so programmed innately to do what he does he didn't need to have any he he didn't want thoughts I'm sure we had somebody not that long ago tell us I don't want to think on the tennis court at all and yet you've got someone like Daniel who he is very cerebral as a tennis player and and there are others too that you get the sense are just having conversations well you see them having conversations with themselves sometimes but they're just trying to work it out yeah, I, I look that make it makes total sense to me. For me, like that, there is nothing worse than an inner monologue. My inner monologue will always be saying, "Well, that was rubbish." Yeah, uh, I mean, I, <laughs> but, I go to pieces. You know, if on I the if I could turn my brain off doing doing sport, even at my low level, I would happily do that because my brain does me no favors. It's one of the reasons why I love presenting live TV because my inner monologue dies and it's the only time I ever feel truly in the moment and understand what people mean when they say in the moment. The rest of the time I'm thinking almost constantly, why did I say that? (laughs) (laughs) So it it makes sense to me and I think you've got to trust your inner monologue pretty pretty consistently as Medvedev seems to 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 be able to use it as an asset the way mm. he he seems to yeah gosh he's he's fascinating isn't it like i, I don't think yeah, there are many back. i don't think there are many tennis players that we could sit down with and just have that yeah. conversation with that we just had there and then and be so sort of hanging on every word i yeah. really wanted to know what he was saying the whole time he, he has put himself on the backhand list Listen, I think was, that's fair. He was on my five. I think it is fair. <laughs> I mean, we didn't specify that it is only five, but I mean, I think he'd be on my five, certainly for a double-handed backhand. And I actually think I'd probably put him on there either way because it's it seems so uncomplicated that stroke from him, and yet it's also damaging. And I love that he can contort his body into weird positions yes. and hit his backhand there's nothing from better anywhere. than a than a, a still screenshot mm. of Medvedev mid shot particularly the forehand follow through he looks he <laughs> look like a sort of corkscrew mm. yeah um so Medvedev threw to face 
And I was going to say, I think actually the timing worked out so perfectly of Medvedev coming in that I don't actually think we even mentioned what it was that, that he, he said. That he well, said and, and let's do just that. <laughs> Matt did put the earphones in to make sure he got it word for word. Word for word transcription so, Matt, of Agro. What did Daniel Medvedev say when he lost that second set? <laughs> yes, I... Um, I had to go back and scroll and transcribe because I could tell that it was funny just from his <laughs> gestures. <laughs> and uh, he'd been he'd been gesturing over to Cedric Mourier at the side of the court, and you clocked David that he seemed to be cross about the court rather than necessarily about how he was playing, and uh, that turned out to be true because he said to umpire Mohamed Leani after losing the second set, "I'm going to pee as slow as this court." <laughs> The court is slow, so I go slow. And Mohamed Leani said, you have to accept this, you're a professional. And he said, I don't accept this. They say on the fact sheet that this is hard courts. This is not hard courts. We said we were hoping for clay court Medvedev. Mm. And I he think we're, we're getting clay court Medvedev. <laughs> yeah, and we, we love it. He's got Zverev in the next round. I know that their, their head-to-head is six apiece, but you have to put... Medvedev is is the favourite for that, you know, long peas or not. Yeah, well, I mean, I th- and I th- look Zverev's still working his way back, isn't he? After that very long layoff because of that that horrible ankle injury that he sustained at Roland Garros last year, um, he he had got that one win, hadn't he, at the the tour. Uh, Tour finals the year before, which that. was actually their last meeting. Is it? Uh, yeah, right, I mean, yeah. Medvedev himself reminded me of that in his on-court interview. He was the head-to-head was put to him, and he was able to reel off, you mm. know, all of their meetings and say we haven't met I for precisely four hundred and twenty-two <laughs> days or whatever. It's going it to be very interesting, though, on this surface, given how. It's clearly not just a technical problem for him. It's also in his head. It's in his head. Mm. He's bothered by it. And yes, he's saying all the players are talking about it. And I don't doubt that. I think I think there is a view that this court is tricky for, for, for certain players. But that's very difficult for him now to go and keep on winning without thinking about that element of the match. And, and Zverev does hit a bigger ball than he does. Mm. So, you know... It, Look, I, I just think t- Medvedev is technically sound, more sound, and he's obviously not had a, a six-month layoff with an ankle injury. So, and he's had all these wins in a row. So mm. you'd, you'd have to make him the favourite. I do yeah. think there's an element with Medvedev of he knows he can only whinge about this stuff when he's winning. Mm. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to be a whinging loser. So, yeah. so when he's riding high like he is, he thinks I'll get all my gripes out on the table now, so no one can say I'm I'm being <laughs> salty. Um, let's stick with the men's draw and round up significant things that we've seen over the last couple of days. Um, should we do Alcaraz? Seeing as we talked so much about Alcaraz, the famous Carlos Alcaraz, <laughs> he's looking like the famous Carlos yeah. Alcaraz, isn't we, he? My he, goodness, he occupied our evening the night before didn't he in in the apartment in tennis podcast towers here in indian wells and and it was just he's an he's an experience in himself doesn't matter what the match is i mean he played tanasi kokonakis and you don't even spend much time looking down that end of the court because what alcraz is doing is so beguiling so totally dominating in in terms of your attention Absolutely, yeah. Um, they look like two very different players out there, and um, I very much enjoyed. <laughs> you can't help it, can you? 
Right. We interrupt this high-level tennis analysis to <laughs> to be forced to disclose something to you all, which I'm, may I'm so which may make works. us lose all our listeners, Matt. Yeah. So this is them. on you. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, go on then. I wasn't involved in this, so no. I can't. You are now. I can't recount it. Right. So David's tr- been trying to track down Juan Carlos Ferrero for a chit-chat about which, which, Carlos Alcaraz and about the movement. Which I successfully did. Mm. Successfully did. Today. Great. And Mission you'll hear that in a day or two. Great yeah. journalism from Great David. Great journalism. Thank you. I'd like to make that point very, very strongly. <laughs> spotted him immediately. He came over and we mm. had a lovely chat. And you'll hear it, folks. Mm. So yesterday, David was very much on the lookout for Juan Carlos Ferrero. And David and I wander into the press room around about five o'clock. So between sessions, there was a long gap between sessions yesterday. Alcaraz is due to play in the night session. And we see, and 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 again, we'd like to stress, press seats very high up. I mean, at the top of the stadium. At the top of the stadium. It's a very big stadium. Mm, David and pretty I, much at the top David of the stadium. David and I wander in. Second tier. And David <laughs> says, oh, well, that, that's where Alcaraz is. He's hitting... Because he hadn't been on the practice schedule, and David said, "Oh well, that's because he was practicing on, on the centre court." And so, so I go, "Oh yeah, f- of course, David. Of course, that's what it is. Let's let's have a look for Juan Carlos Ferrero." And we stand there and we look around the court. There's absolutely no sign of Juan Carlos Ferrero. And um, I once again am struck by the size of Carlos Alcaraz. Yeah, like yeah. I was talking about a couple of days ago. <laughs> Towering. I, I, I said the words. <laughs> I think he's, he's had, had a, a growth spurt. I think he's had a growth spurt. <laughs> anyway. He's also had a haircut. <laughs> we, we, we had a lovely chat, didn't we, David? We had a lovely time watching Carlos Alcaraz hit. I did think that backhand's a bit shit, but <laughs> I thought he was having a light, light, light warm-up ahead of his match. He didn't want it hit full stride. Anyway. We're back at Tennis Podcast Towers. We're having a lovely evening. Several hours later. We're eating our ribs. <laughs> <laughs> David goes really quiet. <laughs> because Carlos Alcaraz and Fanasi Kokonakis walked out onto the court on our TV several hours later. And I said, I've just realised why, why Carlos Alcaraz looked so tall, Catherine. And why one Carlos Ferrer wasn't there. It's because we were watching Fanati Kokonakis practice. And not Carlos Alcaraz, who hasn't had a haircut and hasn't grown three inches. But it was a long distance from us. Mm. Uh, and Matt is struggling to retain any sort of respect for the people that employed him all those years ago. <laughs> yeah, just... just. Is it worth us even carrying on with this just pod? unable to recognise one of the most electric players of all time. <laughs> Look, and the US Open champion, forehand looked, world number one. looked great in practice. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. happened to it in the match. Wasn't there. Um, oh, so funny. There was a... Seeing as I've already sworn on this podcast several times in the presence of Daniil Medvedev uh, we've already displeased your mum David I'm going to do it again to recount the moment that that Thanasi Kokonakis it was lip read because it was under his breath but Kokonakis it was what a set and a set and three one or something and another blistering winner the like of which Kokonakis and most players on tour will never ever be able to hit just screamed past him 
And Kokinak is just trudging back to the chair under his breath, goes, fuck me. <laughs> and, that's, and that summed it up. That summed up yeah. that yeah. match. It's, it looks like a different sport when he's do, playing like do that. You, do you believe, Daniel, when he says he was watching that and he wasn't trying to work out what he would do? Yes, I do, actually, because, yeah, because he, he then said. said that he he would go back to that memory and use it to work out what he would try to do. But I think he's so in the moment and enjoying the match that he's he's able to not be Daniel Medvedev, the player, when he's right. watching it. He's kind of able to be the fan. But, of course, he's using... Of course, he's gathering that information, even if it's subconsciously. I, I, I do love it when tennis players watch tennis. Yeah, I, I mean, and you know, I know they need to have more in their life and all the rest of it. But <laughs> I love it when tennis players well, are tennis fans. Well, well, that's been one of the great things about the team events that we've seen. Mm. You know, yeah. Labour Cup, United Cup, having players on the sideline watching is great. And yeah, I mean, just sort of final note on Alcaraz. He looked much better than I thought he was going to look. Actually, considering he. You know, last time we saw him, he was injured and quite badly injured and really compromised. And I know he, um, Juan Carlos Ferrer told Chris Clary that Alcaraz was 100%, but I did not detect any sign of him looking compromised or even thinking about not going full pelt to reach a ball or not hit his forehand full pelt. He just looked exceptional. And, um, yeah, he, he gave a quote afterwards saying, I try to make people enjoy watching tennis. The way they play, sorry, the way I play, I think they love it. And that just, I love that that just says that. everything, doesn't mm. it? He's so, as you said, he's so keen to put on a show out there. I and love a player who like wants it. to do that. Yeah. He's, I, I said while we were watching last night... Uh, that he's the only player and one of the only players ever that I get enjoyment still from watching a thrashing. Mm. I never felt that way about Roger Federer and I felt like I missed out on something by never feeling that way. You know, I, I loved watching Roger Federer, but generally only, you know, I, I just always want a competitive match. I always say that. but And I would rather see Alcaraz against Djokovic going toe-to-toe for five sets. Don't get me wrong. But I still get a lot of pleasure from just watching Alcaraz be Alcaraz in the kind of form that he was in last night. Um, What else have we seen? Andy Murray is still in the tournament and he he is in the tournament by virtue, hold on to your hats, folks, of a straight sets win. His first since October 2022, (laughs) a stat which he was... Very, 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 very aware of David. Oh, it was it was fascinating to to sort of talk to him afterwards and just see. I th- I think how proud he is of his three set record in the last six months because that had become a problem of not being able to win these close mm. dog fights and suddenly that's all he can win and he's won seven <laughs> of those this year. But but the lack of a straight sets victory had become an issue. And, um, you know, he came into the press conference. It was a good chat like it normally is, but he was particularly interesting when our colleague Russell Fuller from the BBC spoke to him and, and asked him about that record and about the fact that he'd, you know, he'd got one under his belt again. And uh, and he, he made us all laugh. He says that he said, you know, I, I can... Um, I, I also was at uh, breakfast today, and I, and I saw the last person that I beat in straight sets, who was uh, <laughs> which was backhand list contender mm. Alejandro Davidovich Fakina. Yeah, and uh, and he said, uh, and I, you know, it was probably I probably shouldn't have said it. 
But uh, when when he came up to me and we were, we were just having a little bit of a chat, uh, Alejandro said to me, "Oh, a lot of three set matches you're having, aren't you?" <laughs> and he said, "Yeah, except against you." <laughs> and he swore at him in Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> which uh, which was great stuff. You could see Andy Murray's sort of mischievous little face as he as he delivered that line. He's loving he, life at the moment. Yeah, I isn't think so. Murray? And he's loving the fact that he's going to face his young British compatriot Jack Draper, who's beaten Dan Evans in the previous round. It six four six two, and actually the first set was really close. Believe it or not, I mean there were a lot of breakback points opportunities for Evans, um, but that that tells me, I think, I don't know what you think, how far. Draper has come already. He he he, he thrashed somebody six one six one in the first round. He's beaten Evan six four six two. Another answer that uh, Andy Murray gave to Russell was, and his face lighting up, saying, "You you should have seen the practice session we had recently in Dubai. Me and Jack Draper. Some of the rallies were just ridiculous." And he was he could see he, he loves the uh, the challenge. He can't wait for them to get out there. And he clearly really likes Catherine. Jack Draper. I mean, that that, that as a player across, and a person. Yeah, he, he loves He him. was gushing about yeah. it. Absolutely gushing. Um, and that's our experience as well. As well, we had a just a very brief encounter, didn't didn't we, with him on our first day here, just as we were walking into the press room. And I said this to both of you: take tennis player out of it. Most twenty-one-year-old boys. What is he? Twenty, twenty-one. You know, they don't they don't do a lot of eye contact. They're you know they're not. They're not necessarily that. David, you've been a 21 year old boy. What about, yeah, a bit <laughs> yeah. awkward. Yeah, they're a bit uncomfortable. Uh, especially, he strikes me as pretty shy, Jack Draper, as well. Mm. But he went out of his way to, to give us a fist bump and really look us in the eye and acknowledge us. And I was very impressed by that. Yeah, I, I was too. And, and one, one fascinating note about the room that we're sitting in right now, <laughs> which is interview room three. <laughs> Uh, is that the lights have just completely gone out and we are sitting in pitch darkness. Matt has managed to get out of his chair and go and turn them back on. So thank you very much for that, Matt. That was, that was Madrid 2019 vibes, where I did a whole interview with Chris Clary in the dark. <laughs> and there was that one at the Billie Jean King Cup when the lights just went out on you in yep. the middle of our remote yep. podcast as well. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's you. <laughs> but, I mean, just, just to finish that point on Jack Draper, and he is... He's just a really impressive young man. I mean, he's. I, I'm sort of proud that he's a British mm. tennis player. That that he's somebody you want representing the country, like and and just representing the sport. He's just, uh, just think he's a really cool guy. It's the sweet spot of having chutzpah but not being a douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> um, see also Ben Shelton. I know there's some people that think Ben Shelton's a bit bit much. I know there are really? perhaps are other players in the locker room that don't love his oh, chest-thumping energy. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I love it. I think I think he walks that line for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, if, and it's brilliant. If you're a tennis player getting annoyed by what Ben Shelton's doing, which is, you know, some, some pretty loud come-ons, a few roars, get a grip. I mean, honestly... <laughs> And I think it says a lot that, you know, someone like Taylor Fritz, I think, really likes and rates Ben Shelton. And actually, that match yesterday was was probably my favorite match that I've watched here so far, certainly the second set. Um, and it was interesting because it was Fritz coming back to the tournament that he won last year, California boys, home tournament. He was 
got a you know he's he's meant to be the crowd favourite, and he's up against Ben Shelton who sort of can't help but be the crowd favourite because of the way he plays and 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 the way he is and and yet still Fritz wasn't annoyed at Ben Shelton about that he just he just recognised that he's got charisma and personality and a great game and. Yeah, we we spoke the the other day about the ridiculous athletic feats that we've seen Ben Shelton perform off a tennis court this week already. What I love is how he uses his athleticism on the court. This was the first time I'd I'd watched him live, and his 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 capacity to get to the net and leap into shots and leap into his serve I mean that service motion must just be the envy of everyone on the tour especially because it's a lefty serve as well uh, He's he's got so much game and you know still loads that he can improve as well and Fritz did do brilliantly I think to turn that match mm-hmm. around he was in yeah, trouble there I thought it was really impressive grit from Fritz but yeah I think a lot of people left that match as even bigger Ben Shelton fans than they already were because he just brought it. It's scary how much he's improved in just six weeks, isn't it? He looks a notably better player than the Australian Open. If, if somebody can package, and that's him and obviously his team, if, if they can package his game and keep its raw uh, power and ferocity and bounce and all the things that he mm. brings to the court, because you don't want to... You don't want to dull that too much you don't want to shave the edges off and mm. smooth that over too much because the roughness is part of what makes it so exhilarating to watch but also so frightening to play against but he's got to find ways to win efficient points because I mean you know he's going to be on so many highlight reels in the, in the next couple <laughs> of years which is great but I also think that there is potential, health permitting. I mean, he, he's so physical that I, I always worry for the body of a player who's as physical as he is, who's throwing himself around the way he does. But if he can keep fit, there is potential for him to be top five in the world. There is no obvious limit, to to my eye anyway. Now, coaches, they tend to, to have a good look at players like him and, and figure stuff out, ways to to blunt them. Um, but just hope they get it right. Hope they get his development right. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro. 
And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. On to the women's draw we go and we start with a complaint directed towards Petra Kvitova (laughs) and Yelena Ostapenko who sort of... Three quarters delivered the most amazing tennis match of all time uh, before, well, uh, debatable who went and ruined it. But anyway, uh, Ostapenko, first set, six love. Kvitova, second set, six love. Third set, Kvitova is four love. Then it's four all. And at this point, given the six love pattern is ruined, we're thinking, okay, fine, tie break. Perfect. No. <laughs> Petra Kvitova had other ideas. Just a just a pedestrian 6-4 third set. Except it, it meant, because of the timeout at 4-all, mm. it, it meant that and the, the immediate break for Kvitova, who'd taken that medical timeout without a sit-down, this was just a, a sort of, I need a medical timeout for a finger injury of some description, it meant that we got the most delicious handshake between the two in which Yelena Ostapenko gripped Petra Kvitova's hand who I think was trying to explain herself and I don't know whether she was trying to apologise but it, uh, she she was in the press conference at the same time as Daniel was talking to us so we weren't able to hear it but she I got the sense she was trying to smooth it over <laughs> and Ostapenko was sort of smiling as if to say, yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course. Of course you needed it then, didn't you? Yeah, I know, I know. It's amazing. And I'm going to use this moment to make a plea to tennis, I think. We need to be hearing those conversations at the net yeah. between players. Like, yes. I do understand why making players up for a whole match might be difficult. It would be a lot of heavy breathing and it, it, it would be weird. <laughs> but stick, but a, stick a, a mic on the net. Stick a mic on the on net. Or, post or, or something that can get that moment. Absolutely. absolutely and yeah. we were talking to Pam Shriver yesterday and, and she was saying how much she loved uh, watching the golf recently on the PGA Tour where they have been miking up players just for a hole or two mm-hmm. and they've been speaking to commentators while they're about to hit their shots. And obviously... You know, you can do that a little bit more in golf because, um, you know, there are, some, there are even more natural breaks in play than there are in in tennis. And less you li- heavy breathing. As well. Less heavy breathing. And you literally do think through your every shot that you play. You know, there's no instinct, I suppose, or far less. Um, but, you know, that that's come about because the PGA Tour has been has been shaken up by by the live golf that's, that's come about. They've had to make adjustments. And, you know, I just think, Tennis, you know, we've talked about the potential threat, you know, from from some sort of Saudi money or league that could come into tennis. I'm 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 taking a moment, a very small moment between Ostapenko and Petra Kvitova, making a huge point here and making a <laughs> probably a far too big a deal out of it. But there's more but that could be done. I've Absolutely. always feel like tennis should be 
trying things, being more innovative and, and getting fan box. experience. You know, we saw at the mm. ATV Cup, you can mic up those areas and get a message over to the viewer of what's what people are thinking, saying. And, and yes, there'll be some moments that might be a little bit unpalatable for some, you know, and they might think, oh, I don't want to hear that. But there'll be lots of gold. And also, you know, so be it. Mm. So be it if, if some people don't like what they hear. I'd rather hear what's real. Yeah. I'd rather hear what's going on. Let me know as a viewer what these people are saying. Yeah. We shouldn't have to wait 45 minutes, an hour for a press conference. And most fans are not going to know what was said in, in the press conference. It's, and often it's just such an opportunity. Afterwards might be media trained out yeah. of telling us. So mm. we, sh- we shouldn't be having to guess. Mm. Mm. Agreed. Uh, Kvitova now plays Jessica Pagula in the round of 16, which um, Pagula has won back-to-back three setters. Um, she looks like she's searching a mm. bit, Pagula, at the moment. I mean, it's it's one of those, where's the balance between impressive that she's winning anyway and a bit worrying that she's she's not dominating the way she has been recently. Yes, I think she's just not quite playing as well as she has mm. been recently. She she talks a lot in her press conference about really struggling with her string tension here because of the conditions, you know. She uh, should chat to she Daniil. She should chat to Daniil. Um, and she made a very interesting point, I thought, that against uh, Georgie uh, a couple of nights ago, they, she was last on, it was cold, there wasn't a huge crowd left, and she said she needed to pump herself up. She, she needed to get herself going. She was flat. Today, she actually had the opposite problem. She was playing heat of the day, massive crowd against an opponent who was firing. She needed to calm herself down. And I thought that was really fascinating self-awareness. And I I don't know how many players would be able to make that mid-match switch, that mid-match adjustment. Some players have one mode, one gear. And Pagula's temperament is something we've always admired and talked about. And I think it helped her, you know. She was able to raise it when she needed, lower it when she needed, and yeah, she's she's come through a couple of tricky matches there and is is still in the draw. So um, yeah, a couple of interesting matches from Jessica Pagula so far, I think. Mm, and I'm interested in uh, Pagula Kvitova mm. as well. In fact, I think a lot of the last couple of days in the women's draw has been about setting up really mouthwatering either second or third round matches. We're at that stage of the tournament, folks, where... I don't know where we are. <laughs> it's deeply confusing. Yeah. So uh, it, it, it's some second round. Some I'm going to talk about a bunch of matches now, all of which are really cool. Some are second round. Some are round of 16. No, uh, I don't think any are second round. Some are third round. Some are third round. Some are she did say she last 16. Some are last 16. <laughs> Great. Glad we've got that straight. Uh, I give you Iga Sviantek finally against Bianca Andreescu. We deserve this. Yes. <laughs> we can have nice things. It's going to be very interesting, mm. isn't it? Mm. To see... I mean, I, I'm not sure what what difference the court makes based on everything that Dana was saying to us. Well, look, to, they've, both, this they've both won the tournament. Yes, so. of course. That's where we discovered Andreescu, mm. really, isn't it? At, the, at as a contender at the very, very highest level. That's when when we ended up thinking this woman's going to win the US Open, and sure enough, she did. Um, just want to see the real Andrescu out there and see what happens when she mm. takes on the UK. Yeah, me too. There was some incredible crowd energy coming from Andrescu's match against 
Peyton Stearns mm. uh, the other night. and the, I, the NCAA women's champion. Yeah. And that, that to me, seemed like quite an encouraging scoreline and result and performance from Andrescu because she seemed to get better as the match went on. I've watched some Andrescu matches this year where she's faded. You know, she started out, she's hit a purple patch of form and we're like, oh, she's going to win the Australian Open mm. after like one rally. Probably says more about us than it does Bianca Andrescu. Sorry, Matt, my, my credibility is already in the toilet. <laughs> yeah, mine too. Nothing Fine. to lose. The, the podcast's just done. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think it, it, encouraging for Andrescu there, just... You've got to have your head right, I think, when you're going on court to face Igor Sviantec at the moment, and I do believe Andrescu will. Like she's going to believe in her in herself um, because you know we saw what Igor Sviantec did just a couple of days ago. She won the first eleven games of her match here. I was alerted to the fact that she dropped a game by hearing, you know, an ironic huge cheer for Claire Liu finally <laughs> winning a game. That sinking feeling. Um, that you know the crowd is 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 having to do that, but Sviantec playing well. Of course, there was one rally where she just retrieved from one side to the other to the other and hit an incredible, incredible winner. Uh, but yeah, if 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 Andrescu can get her teeth into the match, mm-hmm. make it a bit of a scrap, that feels like maybe maybe her best chance. Um, yeah, I mean, she does love a scrap. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree just, with that. Just I, trying I, to get to that place. I, I'm, you know, I'm not delusional. I know Svantec is the very heavy favourite and it could well be, you know, 6-1, 6-2 because that's what Svantec does to very good players. But I do have a sneaky hope that it could be something like what we, we want it to be that match, so... Fingers crossed. Uh, Sabalenka Krejcikova is happening. Oh, good, because that was on on ice, wasn't it? In terms of uh, Krejcikova's chances yes, of getting she there, she has won. She has Six won. Six two in the third. Okay. okay. No offense mm. to her opponent, but I wanted to see Sabalenka <laughs> against Krejcikova. Yeah, I really want to see Sabalenka yeah. against Krejcikova. Mm. They played Big each time. other a um, couple of weeks ago, didn't they? When Krejcikova won that title. I think Sabalenka mm. won a six-love set in that match. Yeah, she was a set and a break-up, absolutely cruising. And then Craig Chikva came back to win. I think that was the match where she found her form, found her confidence. Yeah, uh, yeah. and a big one, that match for our newsletter predictions because some people have gone Sabalenka to win the tournament. Some oh, people yes, have me. Gone Both of us. Matthew, I believe, who's winning, has gone Craig Chikva. Oh, oh. Okay, Matthew. So someone's, bring someone's it on. Okay. Uh, Emma Raducanu tomorrow, third round action against Beatrice Haddad Meyer. Oh, dear. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough match. Leila Fernandez against Caroline Garcia. Yes, please. That's a yes, to that. Yes. Yeah. That one's first up on Stadium One tomorrow. I feel like that could have been night session, but of course. Andrescu Shvontek is night session, and I'm fine with that. Uh, Rebakina playing Badosa. They were doubles partners, unexpectedly. Yeah. <laughs> Lost in the first round of the doubles, and now they're playing in that's, singles. That's some good matches here, aren't they? Yeah. Good. I'm pleased. Look, I know it's only a couple of wins. I'm pleased to see Bedosa getting who's those she been beating? couple you, of wins. Have you any idea who, who she's beaten along the way? She beat Nuria Perithas-Diaz uh-huh. uh, in, in straight sets. Uh, didn't see the match, but I, I will be seeking out Badosa Rebakina because mm. Rebakina had a tight one. She beat uh, Kenin in two tie breaks, I think, 
so yeah, and, and haven't quite gauged their their form here yet. Uh, but I feel a little bit maybe similarly about Barossa as I do about Raducanu in a way, in that I just think lower expectations and less focus on them might end up helping them a bit. I mean, Raducanu was pretty open about that in her press conference and just just competing again. Mm. You know, it's, she said playing and not playing that well is a whole lot better than being injured and not being able to play. So, you know, she's feeling good that she's able to do that. And I think she has been, you know, no one expected this from Raducanu considering where she was a few days ago. And her whole career has been, she plays well when you least expect it. See winning the US Open as a qualifier. Um, and I think that's helpful for her. And, and, and maybe it is for Belosa as well. She was very open last year about, you know, the pressure and struggle that that she felt when she got to the top of the sport. And, uh, yeah, so... From me, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> predicting us a win every She got to the top week. and I predicted she would win everything for about six months. <laughs> Um, yeah, I really wish her well. Uh, fascinating one against her back. You know, Ange Burr won on her comeback from surgery. I was pleased to see that. All due respect to Magdalena Freck, but I was a bit worried about Ange Burr coming in here. I wasn't sure if she was she was quite ready. Hmm. Um, and it wasn't vintage Jabur, but compared to what we saw with her exit at the Australian Open, which was quite harrowing at the end, really, wasn't it? Her hunched over in the corridor, you know, pretty devastated not just at the loss because obviously she she went in thinking she could maybe win that win that title but also at you could I think there was a lot going on there and sort of knew that the injury was significant and it would mean some time away and actually th- this turnaround is is a lot quicker than I was expecting for Jabir yeah me too and I, th- I think it was a real Shame for her to have to miss the Middle East swing. Mm. Uh, And also, one of the differences between the WTA Tour and the ATP Tour is that if you're injured in February on the the WTA side, you miss some really big events and a lot of points. Like she said, I've missed two 500s, Abu Dhabi and um, Doha, and I've missed a 1,000, which is Dubai this year. So she's already missed a lot, and she's spoken about wanting to get to world number one, and, you know, if you then miss Indian Wells and Miami as well, suddenly that becomes really hard to do. So she probably maybe did rush back a little bit. She said she said the knee is 80 uh, percent fine in terms of pain. She just hasn't done all the work yet to be for it to be as strong as it is or for it to, you know, quite have the movement. So she is a little bit compromised on court. But, uh, yeah, I think encouraging to get a win. Her reaction to finding out her opponent in in the next round was was very amusing because she plays Marketa Vondrosheva, who was the person who beat her at the Australian Open, and her reaction was, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> Let's definitely put an explicit tag on this podcast. <laughs> it was a shame actually that that match at the Australian Open ended up being about. Jabir's injury so much because it's a fun matchup. It is. I mean, Vondrosheva is a bonkers tennis player to me. I do not know what is coming out of Vondrosheva's no. racket on any given day. But she's she's fun. You know, she can make good matches. She's mm. a bit different, and that applies to Jabir as well. And I think it'll be a biz, bit of wizardry. That's definitely the match for the drop shot counter. 
Like yes. we need to know how many drop shots are played in that match because I imagine it will be a lot. They both love that shot. Mm. Yes, please for that one. Uh, final yes, please. Uh, just back to the men very quickly is Varinka against Runa tomorrow. Oh. The rematch. Yeah. The last mm. time they played one another, um, Vavrinka at the net, having been beaten, <laughs> said, uh, stop being a baby on the court or, or something along those lines. Um, I think that exactly those lines. Yes. Um, so, which I did, in hindsight now, I feel a bit sorry for Runa about uh, about that. Um, you know, I think he, I do think he behaves, I think he's behaved like a brat several times over the last couple of years and and worse as in that, that the one moment that we've we've talked about a lot when he he used that um that homophobic slur but the 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 fact is that i think he, he is trying to work it out he's trying to work out who who he is and work out how to behave on the court and and get through these situations and he's sometimes failing he's I think he's probably starting to get better at his. Um, <laughs> I did think, God, Stan, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? Uh, but anyway, you know, I also understand opponents getting wound up by it. So hopefully, hopefully they can have a good match. And I know I like my aggro, but I almost sort of hope that uh, that one ends all right. Who is this guy? I just, <laughs> I like the journey, <laughs> the story arc. <laughs> Oh dear! Right, let's uh, let's wrap things up on that note and have a few quiet words with David. Catherine wants a punch up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really do. I, I want it to be just right in the sweet spot of aggro. Not unpleasant, mm. nastily. Just yeah. just a little bit of spice. I want someone to claim to go to to threaten to go for a really long pee. That is. <laughs> That's all I want from that match. <laughs> right, our episode mascots for today are Lucy, a black five-year-old German shepherd mix, and Ella, a two-year-old pit bull mix. Uh, they're adopted siblings owned by Tim Byrne, and I, I, we don't have confirmed that they're friends, but my goodness me, they look like close friends in this photo. Um, Ella is leaning in to Lucy, and it's it's... It's just lovely. They've got they, their ears are pricked up. They really they really look like they're listening to the podcast. Well, I'm up. So for that, yeah. it's lovely. Yeah, you'll I'm get a believe that. you'll get a picture of them in the newsletter. If you haven't subscribed to the newsletter, what are you playing at? Uh, not least because we have a brand spanking new competition offered by our partners on location who have brought us out here to Indian Wells. It is a heck of a tournament, a competition prize, folks, and it is available to US and UK newsletter subscribers. We're really sorry that we're not in a position to offer it to listeners resident in other countries. We hope to be able to do that in the future. But for now, listeners in the US and the UK, friends of the pod, can enter a competition to win an incredible package, a three-night stay at a four-star hotel here in Indian Wells 2024 with tickets to the semi-finals and finals of both the men's and the women's competition you've got all your vip stuff taken care of you've got your transportation breakfast with 
I don't know, Katerina Siniakova, possibly, maybe, if you fancy it. Um, and it's it's an incredible prize. And if you'd like to enter the URL, and this is the right URL to go to, is <laughs> tours4tennis.com forward slash podcast forward slash TTP. Tours, the number four, tennis.com forward slash podcast forward slash TTP. And also... If you are going to be at Indian Wells tomorrow, we're doing our meet and greets at the Steve Fergal's booth on site at two o'clock between two and two thirty tomorrow. We are fitting it in uh, around a round of golf and some tennis watching and some podcasting. So, you know, busy day. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> it's 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 a tough old time we we're having work, out here. <laughs> and anyone that does come and see us at the Steve Fergal's booth and ends up booking. A package for a Steve Fergal's International Tennis Tour will get a 5% discount yeah. on the said tennis tour. And you get to meet us. So I don't let that put you off. Mega. <laughs> mega. Uh, no, we, we've absolutely loved meeting you all. Don't listen to David. Again, credibility in the toilet. Uh, we've loved meeting you all, so do keep coming. We are not getting complacent about the fact that people are actually coming. Please do still <laughs> come the risk of embarrassment remains uh right then we have our mascots david has Maisie. i've got Zenya, and matt has darwin billy jean is sponsored by billy jean king and alana kloss we have our top folks and executive producers jamie hannah brackets thanks for the chocolates and drew and we have shout outs we have jean punier Ooh. who is swiss but living in Scottsdale, Arizona. We've had a few listeners from Scottsdale, Arizona. Mm. 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 Yeah, we have. Have we had any tennis Jean? Uh, Leolia Jean Jean. Very well done. And Jean Julien Roger. Oh, yes. Very that's, good. That's better, actually. There must be a Jean Christophe in tennis. Anyway, <laughs> thank you, Jean. Yeah, thank you, Jean. Uh, we've also got Skip Schwartzman. Oh. Right, Skip. That we know Skip. Skip's that ever so nice. Schwartzman without the T. So oh, we, okay. But we can kind Same of go church. Diego. Absolutely. Yeah. Same church. And Skip is from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Ah. Thank you, Skip. Thanks, Skip. And finally, we have Bob Stocking. Oh. Who we have met twice. Twice in three week. days. Yeah. We're, yes. we're so desperate not to have uh, an empty <laughs> queue that Bob decided to come twice. He's really, he's really <laughs> lovely to Bless see him. him. What a lovely man. Yeah. And, and um, Bob says, my greatest tennis moment was being approached by a member of my club who said, you're famous to me. You introduced an episode of the Tennis Podcast. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. Bob, thank you for your support in all the ways. It is much appreciated. We will be back with our next pod in a couple of days' time, and then we're going to be daily with you throughout the business end of the tournament from India Wells, the BNP Paribas Open. Thanks for on location. That is why we are here. Thank you for listening. We'll speak to you soon. 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 